Hello and welcome to the Tonic Podcast. My name is Harry Hedges. I am going to be your host today and I'm being a little bit ambitious. <laughs> I am going to attempt to film this podcast while filming a video for the Facebook group at the same time. Now, why would I put myself through this? Well, I understand that some people learn a bit better on an audio basis. I know some people learn a bit better when it comes to a visual on the Facebook group. So I thought, why not give it a try on both? Audio, of course, we want to get our steps in, we want to get our dog walks in. Um, but I don't want people walking into signposts while they're watching it. So we've got a bit of both here so people can really, really, really attack this and consume this content. I'm going to try and record as many modules as possible to help make the post-op process smoother, uh, give you more options, give you more diversity, and no more so than what I'm about going to talk about today when it comes to protein. Now, podcast, I'm keen not to go into too much detail here because I'm going to start the video now. I'm going to explain it on there. And I don't want to repeat myself. So podcast video starting now and you will get the gist in a second, I'm sure. So video starting in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to this video today. Uh, this is going to be part of a new series I'm going to do to make the aftercare process um, as easy as possible, smooth as possible, furnish you with the details and help you out as best as I possibly can. I think... There's numerous factors on here that we can put as recorded on the Facebook group. And I'm gonna start nice and easy, nice and easy one to digest today and offer you the top eight protein sources that aren't the classics, okay? Yes, we know meat, yes, we know fish and eggs and all this kind of stuff. But what can we have that maybe is a great protein source that yes, while it might be a fundamentally a carb source mainly or a vegetable, but there are certain protein choices you can make to make life a bit easier. I think diversity when it comes to protein is important. I think when we uh, further down the journey, I think early on, rigid is, is, is okay. Uh, obviously the first six weeks or so can be highly restrictive, but as after that we become more progressive, I think diversity helps. T taste fatigue is 100% a thing. Um, so we want to be aware of that and offer different options. And of course you can mix things together and make it work best for you. But here are eight options that really help with protein. As I say, protein is so important when it comes to fullness, when it comes to metabolically retaining muscle mass, enzyme production, uh, cell reproduction, you name it, protein is important. And when in a restrictive diet, we need to be aware of it and get our protein in. Sort of 60 to 80 grams, but over time, if it goes into sort of 80 to 100, that's all good. For every gram of protein, there's four calories. So there's plenty of protein we can get in and still be in a calorie deficit if future fat loss is the goal. Number one is oatmeal. Oatmeal. So I'm, I'm, on each food group, I'm going to give you 100 grams. And I don't expect people to eat 100 grams of oatmeal here, but you can work out the percentage quite easily. And in 100 grams of oatmeal, there is 11 grams of protein, which isn't bad. Now, of course, you're going to have half of that, 50 grams. You can work out the maths. But for what is fundamentally a carb source, now, of course, for breakfast, carbs are a bad idea in the sense that they are a longer lasting energy throughout the day. Some people don't like carbs for breakfast, and that's absolutely fine. But if we are topping up, uh, a bit of protein in there as part of something that is a carb resource, that's not a bad idea. You can put your whey protein supplementation inside it, which is going to take it from 50 grams, 5.5 grams of protein, all the way up to 30 grams of protein, perhaps. We're off to a good start. I know people tend to start the day with these shakes that have like 40, 50 grams, and that's okay. Um, but there might be something to suggest that we try and top up our protein throughout the day and oatmeal could be a part of that. Bit of milk in there as well. You see where I'm going, it offers more protein and a great kickstart to start your day. Number two, spinach. Now look, spinach isn't an awesome source of protein, but when you compare it to other, to other vegetables, it's not too bad for every 100 grams of uh, spinach. Now you're not gonna eat 100 grams of spinach because that'd be mountains of it. It's 2.6 grams of protein. Now again, 
it's small doses. But what I'm saying is, compared to another type of vegetable, spinach isn't a bad go-to. It's pretty tasty. Popeye loved it. He got big and strong, didn't he? But the point being is with spinach is that vegetables, look, it might be you don't really taste of anything, right? So you're probably going to mix it up with other protein sources and it's just going to top it up a bit more. And if you're struggling, so if you're eating 40, 50 grams and you're struggling to 60, a bit of spinach, it helps. A few grams extra, it helps. And it's just that awareness around what vegetable choices to make. Spinach might be a good idea. Number three, cottage cheese. Cottage cheese for every 10, uh, for every 100 grams, I apologize, you get 10 grams of protein, which is awesome. I mean, cottage cheese is underrated. I think what people do is they hear the word cheese and they get worried that there's loads of fat in there, but it's not really what it's all about. It is fundamentally a protein food. It's high in calcium as well, which is another micronutrient that people sometimes struggle with post-op. And look, again, it offers texture as a form of dip. Now, I'm not saying you should be getting your Doritos and dipping it into cottage cheese, but you know, if you are looking for some sort of dip for carrot sticks, for example, or whatever it may be, I think cottage cheese can really work. As I say, it offers texture. It is also a, a form of protein called casein protein, which means it, it stays in your body for longer. So what that suggests is maybe having it before bed isn't a bad idea. It means you're kind of getting topped up with protein throughout the night compared to something like whey protein, which is far more impact straight to it. Uh, again, not right or wrong, small percentage, but look, if we're gonna go with small percentage and you like casein protein, you might as well have it before bed. Number four, 0% Greek yogurt is a classic. I think it's pretty much in every good diet that's ever been invented, ever. <laughs> and, uh, and people are getting quite clever about it. So companies such as Brook Lee and Aldi and, and, and Arla, you know, you're getting 20, 25 grams of protein, strawberry, vanilla flavors. Yes, there's a slight increase in carbohydrates due to making the flavor in there, but that's no bad thing. Um, and again, it's, it, the good thing about Greek yogurt is it can come across quite deserty. The, uh, the plain one, I can never pronounce this, phage, farga, uh, faha, I don't, know which, I don't know how you pronounce it, everyone seems to pronounce it differently, but you can put blueberries in there, you can put a scoop of whey in there, you can put bananas in you can put whatever you like in there to sort of mix it up a little bit, it makes it feel a bit more desserty. It's certainly a very healthy dessert, and at 10 grams of protein, but, uh, and it, you can get some that go up to like 16 grams of protein, to be honest with you, even like I say, if Arla and Brooklyn even higher, look at the packet, it is an awesome source of protein, and probably something we should have in our diet, just for that diverse, it's, it's, no, you know, it's nothing like meat or fish, is it? it's very, very different. Different. And I think it's something that we should be aware of and getting more of if we can. Number five, the edamame bean. Now, this is an interesting soy protein, so a bit different. Um, I think with uh, things like this, obviously, very, very good alternatives to meat and fish, very, very different, very diverse. But also, you know, if you're going out for, to a restaurant and it's, I mean, of course, if it's not on the menu, you're not going to be able to get it. But as a starter, you get it in, in a lot of places where it is a starter, it's a good go to. It's going to fill you up before. The meal, instead of having like something like bread, which is obviously fundamentally a carbohydrate source, which again, not wrong, but if we're gonna get some protein in from somewhere, an edamame bean can go quite a long way. And it, you know, some people say it can upset the stomach, so be aware of that. Of course, trial and error always when it comes to diet. I'm not saying it's the perfect food group. There is no perfect food group. Uh, you also see these salads that are, you know, 400 calories in supermarkets and it's got 16 grams of protein in it. I mean, for edamame bean, you're talking anything from sort of 13 to 20 grams of protein versus 100 grams of edamame, which is awesome. I mean, as a, as, a, as, a, as a green food, that is something that we should be taking advantage of more if we like them. Talking of green foods, number six, peas. Peas are extremely underrated in the sense that, you know, a lot of our parents made us eat them. Uh, they don't really taste of anything, but of course, again, you're gonna mix it in with other sources. For peas, for every 100 grams, you get three to eight grams. But for a vegetable, it's just crazy high. 
Okay, and again, it could be a difference maker in your food group where in your, sorry, in your sort of total macronutrient that is protein, if you're slightly short, a portion of peas can go a long way. Now, yes, 100 grams of peas is quite a lot, but again, I'm just chucking things at you. Things might connect in the dots. Things are going, oh, I didn't know that. It might be something I can put into my dish that's not going to fill me up crazily, but it's going to increase my protein no end. Number seven, kidney beans. Kidney beans, for every 100 grams of kidney beans, you get 8.6 grams of protein. Yes, of course, there's carbs in there as well. But again, you're highly unlikely to have kidney beans by itself for dinner. So you're going to have it with something else and it just tops up that other thing without having to have more of that. That's the whole point of this video is that the, the goal is we're not just going to eat more of the classics. These are going to be slightly lower in protein because the classics are the classics for a reason, as I said earlier on. But the point being is, is that kidney beans... Uh, you know, they get compared to baked beans quite a lot. Baked beans do have protein in there, but naturally they're higher calorie due to the sauce and the sugar. Um, not saying that's wrong, make your decisions wisely, but a kidney bean could be a slightly cleaner alternative to something like baked beans. And number eight, wholemeal pasta. Yes, wholemeal pasta has a decent amount of protein for every 100 grams, which again, I'm not saying you're going to eat. I appreciate it could be difficult to get that in post-op, but work out the maths. 5.3 grams of protein versus 100 grams of wholemeal pasta. We don't need to be fearful of carbohydrates, guys. If we are living a healthy lifestyle, a good routine of exercise, a good routine of steps per day, we need to fuel this accordingly for every gram of carb, there's four calories, just like protein. If we get the right amount of protein in and we complement that with the right amount of carb and fats, one gram of fat, nine calories, we are gonna be onto a success story here. There's a balanced diet there and wholemeal pasta, again, it's, not going to, it very rarely is it on the plate by itself. It's going to be complemented by other things, which is going to help, but it's just going to top up that protein out a little bit more. These are the eight go-tos that I've searched far and wide for. I'm sure there's other options. I'm sure I've missed some. And, you know, please comment below on the ones that maybe you find might help you. But these are ones that are going to diversify your diet that aren't so chicken, fish, eggs, protein shake. Okay. And I think there is something to be said, as I said earlier on, about topping up protein throughout the day. Uh, it seems to help with fullness rather than having a 50 gram shake. It's not wrong to do that. I'd much rather people hit their protein uh, by doing that, um, but have an open mind, certainly long term. So as I say, diversifying your diet, um, that always leads to long-term success. Like I said earlier on, rigid, early doors, but progressive and diverse over time really, really helps a diet. I hope you enjoyed that video, guys. Uh, plenty more to come. And uh, yeah, comment below if that was of any value to, for, to you. All the best. See you soon. Bye-bye. Okay, podcast. I think that went okay. I don't know. I think I might have stumbled over a couple of words. But what a bad effort. I'm going to listen to it back. And if it's not very good, well, this will never, ever come out. So you would never have even heard it. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, just sort of adding on extra there a little bit what I was talking about. Um, of course, these are smaller doses of protein. They have to be, otherwise, they would, like I said, they would be the classics. But I think we want to be aware of these food groups. We want to be, uh, know, and I think this is a good message here. Let's just shop. Let's look at packages. Let's try new things. Uh, these food groups here aren't even going around saying that I'm a protein source. You know, you can go and buy some protein Weetabix, for example, that says protein on the box. And you get a very minimalistic amount of protein on top of the normal Weetabix. So, you know, we need to be aware of this. Um, and, you know, a, 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 a successful post-op diet, I nearly ruined the whole podcast there by stuttering, a successful post-op diet involves protein. Um, and I think, as I said earlier on, it's, it's just, we're very, uh, us humans, we're very kind of set in our ways sometimes. And of course, as part of this process, there is an element of pressing the reset button. We've got to try new things and hopefully some of these food groups will help. I hope you enjoyed that podcast, guys. And um, yeah. 
any uh, more support you need, of course, you know, you've got myself, you've got a dietitian, you've got your psychotherapist, if I can say it, you've got your nurse, you've got the whole team at Tonic to help you all the way. All the best from me. Have a great day. I shall speak to you all very, very soon. Bye-bye.